Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. Football camp is rolling along. We're going to have a lot about that later in the show with Matt Moreno from GoAzyCats.com. But, Brett, we're so much closer to the September 4th opener. It's almost here. You can practically hear the sound of pads hitting as, as the practices are going live. Football's right around the corner, man. You practically Excited. can hear the sound of pads hitting each other. That's, you should probably get that looked at. Like that's not great for your health, I don't think, right now. But, <laughs> but yes, there is excitement for this season, which is like you always have that excitement when there's a new coaching staff, right? Because a uh, coaching staff will be like, "Hey, fresh start, things are going to be better." But Arizona hasn't won a game since October of 2019, and the last time we saw them on the field in the game that counted, um, they lost to Colorado because that was the last game of the season, I think. I mean. It's the last one that's not inevitably going to be vacated. So. <laughs> it's the last game that's going to count for both teams. <laughs> but no, it's, it, it is exciting that football is just around the corner. Games that count for Arizona because obviously we're hoping the program has turned a corner with Jed Fish and this new coaching staff. And we won't know for sure. Like Everything is pointing in that direction. Everything that can point that direction has pointed that way. We just don't know if it's going to happen on the field. You know, But recruiting, vibe, buzz, everything is, everything's been so positive. And then the games are going to start. Yeah, Adam, I think last week or the week before you said this is the greatest offseason ever, which we all predicted after <laughs> losing 12 straight games and were a little befuddled by the, the, the unknown hire of Jed Fish. So uh, we can enjoy the ride while it lasts because uh, the, the greatest offseason of all time is about to end. And hopefully it leads into a surprisingly decent on-the-field season. Yeah, for sure. Because all, I mean, off seasons, winning the offseason is great. Winning during the regular season is even better. Now, usually one leads to the other, right? Like, you, if you have good off-seasons, you tend to have good regular seasons. But, of course, Arizona hasn't had a chance with Jed Fish. But, Brett, we usually, like, go over some of the biggest news that's gone on first. And there's really, it's like a newsless week. Like, there's really not much for us. Like, we could talk about the Pac-12 has outlined their forfeiture system now where, like, we talk, we discussed the idea a few shows ago but that if a team has to cancel a game because it's their own fault, ostensibly due to COVID, then it'll go down as a loss for them, a conference loss, whereas their opponent will get a conference win, which, of course, last season that would have meant Arizona would have won a game against Utah if that was still in place. So retroactively, Arizona won a game last year. Yay. I'm not sure how that works. It doesn't. Uh, That that math checks out. It doesn't. 
you know, it's a it's a good sign that the the Pac-12 is taking things seriously and trying to uh, maybe have a a carrot approach rather than just a stick or a stick approach rather than just a carrot approach to uh, getting enforcement and vaccinations. Um, it does raise some questions about uh, our you know friend of the pod Ralph Amazon raised on Twitter. This does this encourage people to keep COVID cases more under wraps? And I don't know what the policies are around that, and 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 that starts to get confusing, but. I think it's a I think it's a positive step for the conference. Yeah, it's it's good to have that out in the open right now too. And of course, as we've seen, Arizona is one of the most vaccinated teams in the country, so you don't feel like they're going to lose any games based on their own negligence. Like I imagine if if there's more breakthrough cases, I have a hard time if the Pac-12 is like you you get a loss because of bad luck at that point. But it does mean that you know for certain programs that maybe struggled with COVID last season, we're not going to name any names, Arizona State, but. For teams that had those issues last season, if they were to happen again this year, it's going to cost you games. And then granted, like a default win doesn't, you know, be like, hey, what a what a win that was. We didn't play, but terrific. But at the same time, like it did seem kind of unfair that if you were Arizona last season, that they did not get a chance to win or most likely lose that game against Utah. Now, if I remember right, that's the only game that they had canceled due to COVID. Unfortunately, they probably could have used a few more <laughs> getting canceled as it was, but... You know, it, it never felt right for certain teams, and not just Arizona. Other schools lost even more games due to their opponents having issues. But it never seemed right that a team could do everything right, but be, and, but because their opponent did not, like they don't get any benefit. Like they just had a week of game prep, yeah. and then nothing happened. So at least this way, there is some penalty and some reward for the team that does it the right way. The team that prepares, and hey, if you did everything the right way and the game can't happen, it's not going to hurt you in the standings. And, you know, Adam, you kind of... Uh smirched a default win but if we defaulted our way to a rose bowl appearance i will take it (laughs) somehow every week of the season their opponents have covid issues and arizona just keeps winning i still counts man they win as many games as they did last season on the field and make it to the rose bowl that would be (laughs) i mean it would count yes it would count it's now 2021 2020 was weird Who's to say it can't happen, Adam? Uh, that would be, yeah, that'd be like the single like worst best football season ever because you would never get to watch them play. And then they'd make the Rose Bowl. So you get a shirt and no one could ever say they've never been to the Rose Bowl. But yeah, <laughs> just keep just keep winning the offseason and never play a game. <laughs> Uh, I'll Can't take... lose a game if you never play one, Adam. That, that's what they say. You, you... And if you're Arizona in 2020, you lose, you lose 100% of the games you play. So, you know, as <laughs> Michael Jordan, I believe, once said. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that, that's about the biggest news that's happened. And it's not really you know specific to Arizona. So, Brett, let's take a break. And we come back, talk with Matt Moreno from GoAZCats.com. He's been out at practice every day covering the initial fall camp of the Jetfish era. And he has thoughts on what he's seen. And let's hear about him. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as promised, we are joined by Matt Moreno of GoAZCats.com. Matt, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Well, we appreciate your time here because obviously we've talked a lot about football. Like camp is ongoing now. The season is a few weeks away, the season opener against BYU. But we're not down there to watch practice as much as we would like to be. You have been watching practice. I know it's only been like a week or so so far, and I'm going to start with this really big picture. What are your early takeaways from the first you know, fall camp of the Jedfish era? 
Yeah, I think my first initial takeaway is just it's been so unique compared to the other types of camps that I've covered. At this point, I'm about 10 years in. It gets pretty standard. You kind of know what's going to happen. You know, you know when things are going to get ramped up and when things are going to start you know, feeling a little bit more serious. But uh, with Jetfish and this new staff, it's really been interesting to see how they've approached things. They've uh, the last few days have really kind of changed things up entirely and doing things that not even the coaches on staff have ever really done before and going to two different practices over the course of a day where they have, you know, their veterans, the guys they're expecting to contribute this season, uh, taking part in one practice. And then they have their freshman kind of newcomers um, taking part in a different practice. So it's been really unique. The coaching staff uh, is out there for seven hours a day. And it's been unique to see that kind of play out. Do you think maybe that has to do with also Jed Fish? This is his first job, and he's well-traveled. He's been in a lot of different spots. And Brett and I have talked on this show before about how Jed Fish doesn't necessarily have a way of doing things, right? Like everything he does now as head coach is the first time he's done it. That is his way. So that adaptability, that willingness to say, hey, let's mix it up. Let's try different things. Do you think that's part of just, hey, that's Jed Fish trying to figure out what type of head coach he wants to be? I think so. I think he also just likes the idea of, hey, I can say something and it just happens. He's kind of mentioned that a couple of times where he has – I think he likes that feeling of, hey, I'm the one who's in control. I get to make the decisions. And so um, I think he's just kind of seen, you know, what what he can do. And, and if there's any way he can make this team better by trying something different that, um, you know, isn't the norm, I think he's going to go for. And so that's something that's been, um, you know, it's brought some at least different element to camp. It gets kind of boring at times watching practices. And, um, you know, you kind of see the same things over, like I said before. And so uh, it's brought a different element to practice, and I think for the players, and I think for the coaches too, in particular, who who know what camp is about, they understand what they're supposed to be doing out there. They kind of get into that mode of kind of um, just going through the motions, and I think for them, even switching it up, even doing that, and and switching things up a little bit, get, keeps them on their toes, keeps them fresh, keeps them engaged with you know the task at hand, and um, they have a tall task this this season, and uh, I think it keeps everyone engaged. So I do think it's just a combination of different things and different elements. Him, you know, enjoying that you know, he can pull the trigger and, and make decisions and it's on him to you know decide what to do next. And I think he likes that, but also really trying to figure out how to make this football team better and how to you know develop this this group of players. So, Matt, you've been you've been out there at the at least at the open sections of practices. Uh, I'm curious to see there's been a lot of roster turnover along with the changes, obviously, at the coaching staff and everything, new schemes. Uh, are there certain players that have jumped out to you and kind of pleasantly surprised you from what you've seen early on in camp? Yeah, I think one player who's been on the team for a little bit now but hasn't necessarily shined like I think people thought he would is Tavian Cunningham. Uh, he's a, a smaller receiver, a speed guy, a track athlete here at Arizona, uh, someone who does both sports and didn't really get to see him a ton during the spring because he was participating in the track team and, and with the track team and doing those events. So they didn't get his full kind of attention on the football side, and they have that right now, and he's really taking a jump. The coaching staff has really talked a lot about just his physical makeup and how he looks so much different than when they first arrived. And so obviously the summer has been a good time for him to kind of build up himself and, and become that next level of athlete that I think everybody envisioned when he uh, ended up at Arizona from a junior college. But um, he's shown some flashes of being a really talented player, of being a deep threat, somebody who can you know make plays down the field. But um, we've really seen that over the first week or so. Um, he's probably been, I'd say, the MVP of the offense, maybe the MVP of the entire team just in terms of making plays, being productive, and being someone that you could say he looks like he's ready to take that next step. And um, I don't know if anybody's been more productive than him, catching touchdowns, making plays, making positive plays uh, on offense and, and even on defense. I think he's probably been the most productive player so far. Definitely looks like the most improved player 
from the from the spring and, and from all the players we watched in the spring until now. He definitely, I, I would say, at the very least, he's the most improved player, probably the MVP of this team right now. With with some of the other newcomers, has anybody jumped out as somebody that you think is going to be a player to watch in terms of contributing early on? Somebody that the coaching staff has mentioned, which is really rare for coaches to really single out any freshman. They don't like to do that. Any coach doesn't like to do that early in camp, and they don't want to set them on a path of, you know, I'm hey, I'm this big, you know, the big, this big shot that the coaches are all talking about. But uh, the coaching staff has not been shy about talking about Dorian, uh, Dorian Singer, um, a, a true freshman receiver, moved from Minnesota to Phoenix last year, played at Pinnacle High School in Phoenix last year, and really impressed a lot of people. But before he made that move, he had some big offers. A lot of the thought was that he was going to go to Texas. I mean, he had a Texas offer. It was on the table. Obviously, they go, go through a coaching change. He has some different things going on there. That offer is no longer on the table. But he had Iowa State. He had some other Power 5 offers that he could have taken. He decided to walk on at Arizona. Um, and now he's really shined through the first first week. Uh, Jed Fish, on the very first day, singled him out and said, you know, he's somebody who really shined and has done some things. As they've gone through the course of these split practices, you kind of have a better idea of who the coaching staff is looking at to play and to contribute this season. Dorian Singer, I believe, is the only freshman who got moved to the the quote-unquote veteran group and was – um, you know, practicing with a different group that wasn't the freshman. And so that kind of tells you where he stands with them. And they really like his ability to make plays down the field. As I mentioned with Tavian Cunningham, that's where he really stands out. I think if you look at this receiver group and the offense as a whole, if there's a missing element to this team, it's that deep threat. They don't have, you know, that six, five wide receiver that they can throw the ball down to and, and really make a play down the field. They have to lean on some other players. Tavian Cunningham is one of those players, but Doran Singer, is starting to emerge as maybe that other player that could potentially be a deep threat for this offense. And I think the coaching staff really likes what he does in that element when they go vertical. Kevin Cummings talked about that this week, that uh, he's somebody that they really trust when they go vertical. They're, they're, they're really about kind of finding a niche for everybody. And they're putting, if you can do one thing, they'll kind of build plays around you and, and what you can do. And so um, they really like that he can be that deep threat. And they're going to, Kevin Cummings said, we'll figure out kind of the rest later. We'll kind of teach him how to, run routes the right way and, um, you know, do the other work in between. But he has that one skill that he can do really well right now. And um, that eventually, I think, is going to get him some playing time this season. You know, it's interesting you say that. And I can also talk about Tavian Cunningham showing maybe a little bit more than he has in the past because one of the things when you look at this roster, it's like, okay, no one's expecting it to be that great, right? <laughs> I think I saw the over-under was like one and a half recently or something like that. But there's this thought, too, that maybe without trying to denigrate any of the previous coaching staffs or anything like that, there is this belief that, hey, maybe with the right coaches in place, with a different scheme, with different coaching, that the talent that's on the roster might actually be a little bit better than what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. Is that kind of the impression you guys are getting watching practice? Like, hey, like it's just a different vibe, a different coaching staff, that maybe there is more, I guess, unlocked potential, unlocked ability for certain players like Octavian Cunningham or some of the other guys who have been in the program for two, three seasons now, that, you know what, this might be a more talented roster than people think? Yeah, I think so. I think they're they're kind of tapping into some different elements. They've really taken more of kind of a laid back approach and uh, kind of been more upfront about, hey, this is what we think you need to work on, and this is what we think you you do well right now, but you need to kind of hone and and you know focus in on. And, and like I said, they're doing a really good job, I think, of building plays, building their scheme around the strengths of the team, as opposed to just saying, hey, this is what we do, and and we're gonna run it whether you like it or not, and whether it fits with the personnel or not. And I think that's really helping kind of everyone get on the same page and. Um, one example is just like the running back room. There's a ton of players in that running back room who could all contribute. And um, the way that this coaching staff has kind of approached things, all those players ge- seem genuine when they talk about, hey, I'm, I'm 
great seeing my, you know, my teammates do well. And I don't have to be the one carrying the ball every time I'm okay with, you know, watching my teammates have success. And so, um, that's, you know, getting them to buy in has been a big part of it. I think when you look at a lot of the elements, I think there's a big amount of trust with, with the players and the coaching staff. There's a lot of NFL experience on this coaching staff. You talk about Jed Fish being, you know, someone who just came from the NFL. I think that holds a lot of weight with the players. Uh, Tyler Owens gets a lot of mentions from the coaching staff and from the players as well. Their new strength coach coming from Alabama. I think that holds a lot of weight for the players. So I think they, there's just a, a different amount of buy-in that I'm sensing from this team. And um, I think there's a lot of trust with what the coaching staff has to sell them and what they want them to do. And when you have that element in there, which I don't think was there in recent years, I don't think there was that same amount of trust uh, between the players and the coaching staff. I think it's just um, the, the players take that to heart and they take that to the field and it kind of is helping them understand, okay, this is why, you know, coach is asking me to do this. And I think that is kind of unlocking some things where maybe there would have been a little bit of pushback before, because you're saying, well, why is he really telling me to do this? Is he just criticizing me? Is he, you know, sometimes he's not criticizing other guys and, and, you know, it kind of confuses everybody. So I think for them, they feel like they're on the same page as the coaching staff and understand, hey, if I'm not playing or if I'm not in on this play, I know exactly why. And I think that's really helping players to develop and improve some of those areas and some of those weaknesses that they've had in the past. So, Matt, we're like 10 minutes into this interview and very gracious with your time, which means we're way past due to ask you about the quarterback competition. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you're seeing? Uh, as, as Has there been any indication of anybody separating is the fact that in your perspective, if nobody is separating, is that a, is that a negative sign or is that a sign that people are developing kind of equally well? I don't think it's time to panic yet, but I also don't think that there's been the type of separation that you want to see. Um, I do think that the quarterbacks overall are getting better and improving, but it's not to the point where you go, wow, they're going to have a difficult choice because everyone's playing well. It's almost more to the other side where you go, no one's really stood out and done things right every day and, and has been sharp every single day. Every guy has kind of had his day where he's he's done different things well. And um, overall, there's been you know better consistency later than earlier on in camp. But um, no one's really shined. And you said, OK, that's the guy. And I think that's starting to get a little bit closer to the time where, where Jed Fish is going to start to get a little bit nervous because – there isn't anybody who's really stood out. I could make a case for, you know, all three guys being the potential starter. I think Gunnar Cruz is in a great position because he looks the part. He looks like the type of quarterback that you want to have back there in the system running, you know, a pro style system. You want to have a taller quarterback who can make the throws. But, um, you know, he hasn't really had and someone brought up a good point and uh, just from kind of being a casual onlooker, uh, just saying, you know, he doesn't have a killer instinct. He hasn't shown that killer instinct yet to really take charge and, and say, this is my job. And I think that's kind of the missing element that I'm seeing with him is I think he has, he's had every opportunity to say, this is my job. I'm going to take it. He just hasn't done that yet. And it's left an opening for someone like Will Plummer, who uh, is more prone to mistakes, I think, than the other guys, but he's also the one who's kind of has the more flash and is able to kind of have more of those explosive plays that the offense is going to need. And so um, I, I think it's really, it feels like it's more of a battle between those two guys with Jordan McLeod trying to play catch up right now. Um, I think these separate practices help someone like Jordan McLeod because he does look like he's behind. I mean, when you see him out there, when you see the whole group out there, you go, there's just a little bit something that he still needs to you know, catch up on. He just doesn't have everything quite down as well as the other two uh, who were here in the spring. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see play out. I don't know how it's going to end. I couldn't, if I had to pick, I don't know who I would pick right now. I could make a case uh, really for all three guys. And, and I think that's not a great thing for Arizona right now, but we'll see how it plays out, you know, in the next week or so. Yeah. 
Adam Adam's kind of talked about how uh, it's it's the first time Jed Fish is doing anything as a head coach here. I'm curious as it relates to the quarterback competition. From what you're seeing uh, out there at practices, do you think that the way that the way that they will frame the offense will vary by who is who wins the quarterback battle? Will they adjust their scheme a little bit around the quarterback, or are they trying to 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 just have like this is our our approach our approach and uh, we're just going to pick the guy that does it the best? Yeah, I think they're more they're closer to the hey, this is what we're going to run. They have so many options is the thing. When we were talking to Will Plummer at the local media day here in Tucson. Uh, he said there's about 200 plays on their little wristbands that they have. And so they can go a lot of different directions. It's a true pro style scheme where they're going to have a lot of different wrinkles to what they do offensively. And so I think there's enough calls that they can adapt it to whoever wins the the competition, but they're going to put it all in right now and and say, whoever can run what we want to run is going to win this job. And so I do think there are going to be some different elements. Will Plummer is a better runner than Gunnar Cruz right now. And so I think you're going to throw in some more, you know, maybe some more option plays and some more opportunities for a guy like Will Plummer to run if if he ends up winning the job where, you know, Gunnar Cruz, maybe that's that's dialed back a little bit. So I do think there are going to be some wrinkles that kind of benefit one guy over the other. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how Jed Fish approaches this next week. They're kind of in a stretch where uh, they don't have a break for a few days and, and they don't have a day off. And um, I sense that the team is going to get tested a little bit. I think they're going to turn up the intensity over these next few days and, you know, going into the what is, will be eventually the final week of camp before they really, you know, hone in on, on preparations for BYU. Um, I think they're going to turn up the intensity, and we'll see kind of what that leads to. But I, I think at this point the staff wants to know who their guy is going to be. I think the players kind of want to know who their guy is going to be, and um, that will be determined soon. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be some wrinkles for everybody to have success. Um, it's just figuring out who that guy is going to be right now. All right, we're joined by Matt Moreno of GoAzyCats.com here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Obviously the quarterback position gets – all the attention right now. Like even last year we knew it was Grant Gunnell, you know, I guess the year before that it was Khalil Tate, maybe with some Gunnell, but this is the first time in a while there's a true quarterback battle and kind of wonder where, yes, it seems like without anyone emerging and being the guy, this offense is going to struggle to score points, right? I mean, it's the quarterback. How can they be a successful offense without quality quarterback play? But then we talk about like this offense, does it need brilliance? Does it need, someone who is that good could like to be the leader as far as like throwing dimes all over the field or the running back room, the offensive line, enough talent at receiver. Do you think this offense could be built around? I don't want to say we've kind of knocked BJ Danker last week's show, you know, but like we've seen offenses have success without super high level quarterback play. Does this offense seem like it could be the type that could sustain if one of those guys is fine, you know, doesn't turn the ball over a lot, moves the ball a little bit, but doesn't take that step like people are hoping. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, and going back to the spring, the coaches talked about this a lot, was just limiting the mistakes. As long as you just don't turn the ball over and, and don't make mistakes, you're going to be fine. They're setting up the players to be in positions to make plays as long as you you know execute and make this, you know, the simple plays that you need to make. And so um, it, as much as there's a ton of plays that they can go through, watching practice, it's not super elaborate. I mean, there are just it, – it's it looks like something you would see on TV and is is pretty popular type of system and – um, has more of an NFL kind of feel to it. But um, it's more about just trying to make the right plays. And I, based on what we're seeing in practice, obviously I don't think we're seeing everything. Um, uh, there's going to be some stuff that they keep you know, behind closed doors. And there are times, even though practice isn't completely open, there are times they go inside and you know, media and, and fans aren't allowed to see some of the things they're doing inside the facility. And so there's going to be different elements of this offense that we haven't seen yet. But based on what we've seen, it, it's all throws that, 
you know, the quarterbacks I, I know can make and have seen them make, it's just they haven't done it consistently enough. And that's kind of one of the things that Jed Fish talked about recently is, you know, they shouldn't be having incompletions during seven on seven when you're not really, it's not a true, you know, 11 on 11 game type of feel. You should be completing every pass. And I think his frustrations are, hey, they haven't looked as sharp in those elements when you need to look sharp. And so um, I don't think that they have to have an amazing quarterback to run the system and have success. As I mentioned, there's a lot of talent at running back. There's a good enough amount of talent at, at receiver and tight end and some of these other positions that I think they can have success. But it's more about just limiting the mistakes and really not hurting your team um, and really just trying to kind of I know game manager gets thrown around a lot and people don't like that, but they can they can win with a game manager and someone who just kind of makes the plays he needs to make. Well, it's a lot easier to win with a game manager, too, if you have a good defense. <laughs> and I know no one's expecting Arizona to have a good defense for the first time in, I don't know, like a decade or so. But with Don Brown leading the way, there seems to be a lot of, I guess, optimism, enthusiasm, and a lot of the big-time transfers they got are on that side of the ball. From what you guys can tell, and it's probably hard right now in camp, like it's I think camp usually favors the offense anyway because otherwise it's like, it's a bad offensive play. It's really you say, oh, what a great defensive play. But just the talent level on the defense, the coaching on the defense, should we expect, do you think, at least maybe not greatness, not the return of Desert Swarm, you know, not by on-field play, even if they look like it now with uniforms, but should we expect the defense to be improved over what we've seen the last couple of seasons? I think it's going to be improved. I don't know if that leads to more wins. I think one of the things that you're definitely seeing right now, and it's something that everyone kind of chuckled at when Don Brown talked about it early in camp is that he's creating chaos. I mean, he, you don't really know where guys are coming from. It's when you look out on the field, you go, I don't really know what, you know, what they're playing right now. I don't know if they're, you know, what type of scheme they're in or what the look is. And that changes from play to play. He's very much about, you know, confusing the offense. And so I think that's going to be a challenge uh, for teams to prepare for every week. Um, they're putting in a lot of stuff. They're installing a lot of different plays on defense, a lot of different looks and some of it is just going to be for for nothing. I mean, it's just, it's what the offense sees is not going to even be what they're doing. It's just to confuse the offense and really make things as chaotic as possible for you know the opposing team. And so um, there's going to be a lot of different elements. I think the the players really enjoy what Don Brown has brought in terms of his scheme. I think they feel like they're going to have opportunities to make plays really at every position. And you know that's what every you know player wants is just an opportunity to go and make a play. And so. I think that's been a key for getting players to buy in is that everybody's going to have their moment to shine if they want, if they can, you know, execute and make those plays. And so um, that's been a big deal, I think, so far as well. But um, I do think there's going to be improvement just because it is going to be a difficult scheme to really pick up on. And I think teams are going to have a hard time preparing for Arizona. Um, I do think there's some better talent uh, across the board. I think at cornerback is where Arizona really is going to shine. You look at Christian Roland Wallace, Isaiah Rutherford, both really, really strong players who, um, you know, have a ton of talent are probably two of the best, you know, player top five players on the team as a whole. Um, definitely two of the best defenders and two guys that are really going to be counted on a lot. Um, they're going to play a lot of man. They're going to bring pressure. And when you bring pressure, you're going to have uh, a lot on the shoulders of your cornerbacks because they're going to have to, you know, be strong in coverage. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how those guys both um, take that next step. Christian Roland Wallace has obviously leaned on some veterans over the course of his career. Isaiah Rutherford hasn't really played a whole lot at Notre Dame. And so um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how those guys step into bigger roles. But um, I do like the, the direction of the defense right now. Uh, it'll be better when they have better talent. But I think across the board, they filled some gaps and really um, took a step in the right direction with this new scheme and in this offseason. So Matt, it's a just as it's a critical time in the in the camp preparing for this upcoming season that's fast approaching, it's also a critical time 
uh, in mid-August right now with recruiting, and Jed Fish and Company have had maybe the best off-season that a winless team that hasn't won in two years has, has had and that I can ever think of. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, some of the the big targets that Arizona has out there and how, how you're feeling about them in terms of the likelihood of seeing them uh, committing to Arizona in the near future? Yeah, I mean, there's it's been pretty remarkable, and I don't think that can be said enough uh, when you're talking about, as you mentioned, a team that has lost 12 straight games. It should be much more difficult than it has been to recruit. Um, I've seen, I've, you know, covered bad teams that are teams that are coming off of bad seasons and recruiting is very challenging. I mean, um, if there's one thing that can really be a detriment to, to your progress, you know, as a team and as a program, when it comes to recruiting, it's, it's losing games. Um, you know, recruits don't want to, they, they start to hear the chatter from their friends. Oh, you're committed to Arizona. You're committed to wherever school. Didn't they just lose to, you know, X school that they shouldn't have lost to. And, and they start to hear that too much. And then, you know, ah, maybe I don't want to go to Arizona after all. And so. Um, to to know that, you know, Arizona is going in the right direction under Jed Fish with recruiting, adding recruits that I honestly don't think they would have gotten the last couple of years. There's some guys at the top of the class that I just don't think would have even, even given Arizona a strong look uh, had it not been for Jed Fish and his staff. And so um, that alone is, is a, a step in the right direction. Um, there's some big commitments coming up in this next week and, and coming up here real soon. Uh, T-Mac McMillan might be, if he ends up committing, might be the top recruit I've ever, you know, that's ever committed to Arizona during my time decade or so covering this team. And so um, he's a next level talent. He's somebody that is is going to be a future NFL player. Um, I watched him hit this summer and he just there's something different about him. And he won the MVP of the opening, which is, you know, a, a, an event that is features the top prospects across the country, the top recruits across the country. He wins the MVP of that event. And so um, he's a next level player. He already has two of his teammates committed to Arizona. Um, that's a strong tie. It's it's Arizona, USC, and Oregon. Um, those are the schools that are involved. Uh, one of those schools seems out of out of the ordinary when you look <laughs> at you know the, the schools that he's considering. Um, and, and and but that's all Jed Fish and this staff and, and getting Arizona in the mix with the recruit, a top 50 recruit who's considering USC and Oregon along with Arizona. I mean that's that's a big deal. And so to have a legitimate chance at him is is a step in the right direction. Pulling him off and you know getting a commitment from him would be a huge addition for this staff. Would, hit, would send a huge sign to other recruits that, you know, this is a, a school that needs to be looked at and um, is going to be a big deal if, if Arizona is able to pull it off. Uh, Sterling Lane is a four-star defensive end. He's uh, announcing his commitment uh, pretty soon here within the next week or so. Um, at this point, I would expect him to be picking Arizona. Uh, he took a visit out to Arizona. He's got Arizona, Oregon State, Colorado, Oregon, and Michigan are his top five uh, that he's going to be picking from. But Arizona has done such a good job with uh, Ricky Hunley, especially uh, leading the way for for Sterling Lane, who's a, another California prospect. Uh, so you know he's going to have the talent. Know he's going to have face a lot of good competition. Um, right now, I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up at Arizona, um, which will just add to to kind of the haul that uh, Jed Fish and the staff have really you know been able to pull in so far. And it's 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 interesting because you hope I think as a coaching staff or a program that you get stronger as the as the cycle goes on. You want to add more recruits as things go on. You kind of want to build that base early on, hopefully get a quarterback early on and kind of build from there. Um, it doesn't happen a lot of times. There, there's usually that time where it kind of tables off and uh, levels off and you go, oh, well, where's this class going? Arizona, you know where this class is going right now. It's going up because it feels like every new recruit that commits is better than the last. And that's kind of the direction you want to be going. And, and uh, again, if they're able to pull off these next couple commitments, which it looks like they have a decent chance to do. I mean, that's another step in the right direction. And you're doing all this again 
keep coming back to this with a program that's lost 12, 12, his last 12 games. I mean, that's to, to do that, knowing that, you know, you're, you're working with that in the back, in the background. I mean, that's just a big deal. And it's, it says a lot about uh, this staff that Jetfish has assembled and Jetfish himself to really, you know, sell this program and sell his vision for the future, because the vision can get you so far, but eventually recruits can see through that. And they say, no, I want to know what you're going to do for me. And, and Jetfish is selling these prospects on, you know, I'm going to turn you into a pro, whether that's, it, the NFL is, is on the brain of, of all these recruits. Um, that's what they hear. But I mean, I think his, his message is resonating with them and it's, uh, it's worked well, worked out well so far. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is that like all the stuff working against Arizona in recruiting, the fact that they haven't won since October of 2019, the fact that, you know, it's another new coaching staff and everything. And when Rich Rodriguez was hired, he had the history, West Virginia, Michigan. He didn't get this type of a honeymoon, this type of recruiting bump. Obviously, Kevin Sumlin had his reputation. He didn't have this kind of a recruiting bump either early on. What is Jed Fish doing? What is it with this staff that's been able to come in and almost immediately? Because a lot of people think, oh, well, they have to start winning before they can get the good recruits. But you don't really win until you get good recruits. It's a you know a vicious cycle. But if they haven't even shown improvement on the field yet, and still these players are committing to this coaching staff. Like, What are they doing that's different? What are you hearing that they're doing that's working, that is resonating with these kids? I think first and foremost, I know, you know, fans of Arizona don't necessarily want to hear this because they want them to be picking Arizona for the school and, you know, winning at Arizona. But it's just the reality of a recruit in 2021. They they the first thought on their mind is NFL. How can I become a professional football player? Um, Arizona has a number of ties to the NFL, starting with their head coach who just came from that league. And so, um, you know, that I think that's resonated a lot when talking to these recruits. That's kind of one of the first things they mentioned is. You know, they have the ties. Uh, A.J. Jones is a receiver who committed. He decommitted from UCLA and flipped to Arizona. That was one of the first things he mentioned when I asked him, you know, what was behind kind of this decision. He said, not only can they do they know how to get me to the NFL, they know how to make me a player who can stay in the NFL because they've been there. They have experience. And so um, I know that's been a big part of it. I think the other thing, too, is kind of going back to what the players are kind of feeling right now who are already on campus, just kind of a, an upfront mentality about everything, I think. Being honest is is a big deal. Um, as much as everyone likes to think that recruits are teenagers and they can kind of be swayed one way or the other, most of them can kind of see through a lot of you know the stuff that isn't true and isn't real um, when it you know comes time to make a decision. And they understand who's being forthright, who's being truthful with them for the most part. And I think they're getting that that type of feel from Jed Fish and the staff. They're not pulling punches. They're they're pretty straight shooters, and they're going to tell recruits kind of how they fit in. They're not going to promise them things uh, for the most part that they can't deliver on. Um, and so I, I think that's resonated a lot with recruits is they just feel, you know, like this is an honest staff. And I think that's important. And, um, and then there's the scheme. I think a lot of these recruits, you look at someone like Kean Burnett, uh, who is Arizona's highest rated recruit right now, a four star tight end out of California. Um, he picked Arizona, as strange as it sounds, because he believes they're going to use the tight end better than USC. Um, the system. The system is why a big part of why he's coming to Arizona. He wants to play in a pro-style system. He understands the use of the tight end in the NFL and you know how it's set up to, to cater to his position. And, and I think um, that's a big part of it as well. On both sides of the ball, Don Brown is bringing a unique scheme that doesn't necessarily fit every player, but there's a lot of hybrid players out there that don't quite fit into one position over the other, and that fits in very well with what Don Brown wants to do. And so you look at someone like Sterling Lane, who's going to be deciding soon, he's can maybe play defensive end but he could also maybe play outside linebacker and so that fits in well with not with what down brown wants to do and you offer him an opportunity hey you could play either one of those positions 
that sounds pretty good to a kid like that who you know thinks he can fit into to either spot and, and wants to play a hybrid role so um I, I think it's a again a combination of a few different things but um i think it's just kind of being up front the nfl connections and then selling them on you know being part of a system on either side of the ball that can fit them very well and, and that, those are the three things that really seem to come up a lot with when i talk to recruits so matt thank you so much for being generous with your time it's been a really great conversation i have a, a last kind of closing question for you and it's a two-parter you know we're recording on august 12th so we're a little over three weeks away from the season officially starting with the game against byu as we're as we're sitting here on august 12th looking at the season uh, for our listeners that are obviously all arizona fans give them you know a reason or two to be optimistic and then because of course we're arizona fans so we're expecting to be disappointed what are what would be the cause for concerns right now where, uh, as it, as we head into the season i think the quarterback is still probably the biggest concern just to start there i think you have to have some kind of solution i think if they don't um find someone who separates themselves it, it becomes an interesting situation because um i don't know who it would be and i don't know if it, it's going to be a situation where i think you're going well you know, if, if Gunnar Cruz wins the job, did he really separate himself? And if he struggles, is there going to be that clamoring for, hey, let's see what Will Plummer can do? And then you're getting to a situation where you're going to have more than one quarterback. That's usually not ideal. Um, you want to have your your guy that you can you can roll with and, and is going to be your guy through thick and thin. And so um, I think for Arizona, the most important thing is finding a quarterback who can really separate himself to leave no question about who the starter should be. I'm not super confident that's going to happen right now. I just, I, I just, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've been at every practice and and I've seen all the reps and I just haven't seen that separation. And you're starting to kind of see it on the coaches' faces as much as they don't want to, you know, let anybody in on on the decision making. I think they're starting to be a little bit more concerned about. Hey, I thought we'd have someone at least separate himself at this point. So I think that's probably the biggest concern. I think the defense is the one that is really going to, I think, change the way this season goes. Whether it's going to be, you know just the typical win a few games or they can, you know, do a little bit better than that. I think um, Don Brown and you listen to the offensive coaches talk about it. They face him every day and they just uh, Scotty Graham, the running backs coach said, it's not fair. Like it's just not fair to go up against this defense. And and he doesn't know how other teams who haven't seen it as often are going to go up against it. So I think that is really a big X factor. Um, They're trying to keep that under wraps quite a bit uh, defensively, what they're going to do. And so we haven't seen a ton of what, um, they're going to do uh, this season, and and I think it's going to surprise a lot of teams, and, and we'll see uh, how quickly those teams can adjust. If they can't, it's going to put Arizona in a position to win games. And so I think that's – if there's one thing to really be excited about, I think it's just a different-looking defense. And, and, yes, some of the pieces are going to be the same, and, and maybe some of them haven't been as successful in the past, but I think the new scheme is going to allow them to, to do some different things and put guys in a really good position to make plays. It'll be up to them to you know then do that, but – I think it's going to be at least a little bit more exciting and a little bit more of a challenge for teams to to face Arizona's defense, which it just hasn't been the case in a very long time. All right, that's Matt Moreno, GoAzyCats.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt GoAzyCats. A lot of great content on the site right now, everything about camp, so if you need to know what's going on, check out GoAzyCats.com. Matt Moreno, thanks for joining Wildcat Radio 2.0. Hopefully we'll catch up with you again down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that's Matt Moreno. When we come back, more football. All right, we're back for one more segment of Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to Matt Moreno of GoAzyCats.com. Really great conversation, and it's really good to get that firsthand account of what's going on down there. A lot of positive stuff, it sounds like, other than, you know, the quarterback position, Brett. Um, 
that's not that important, is it? I, I like you're like, is it a case where maybe they're all just being, they're all playing really, really well and there's no separation or is it, but obviously like it's, they always say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And in this case, if Arizona has three quarterbacks, they might have negative one. I'm not sure how the math works on that, but of course they want someone to take charge because not because they're just the best of a bad bunch, but someone who really steps up and just gets into that groove and shows a mastery of the offense, doesn't turn the ball over, moves the team down the field. And there's still time. There's still a few weeks before that September 4th opener. But even Jed Fish had said that he's not going to play games. He'd like to figure this out as soon as possible and then roll with their starting quarterback. And from what it sounds like, they're not anywhere close to that yet. Yeah, that's that's a that's a bit concerning. And I think each passing day that goes that it's not that nobody is, you know, clearly separating themselves gives me a little bit of heartburn as a fan. It makes me feel a little better that Matt Marino says it's not time to panic yet, but the word yet there is doing a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting. Um, and I think from, from an outsider's perspective, uh, I think Matt's right where I think they want Gunnar Cruz to win because I think he probably has the biggest arm. He's, he's got the, the, the most, he, you know, I, I, it, how they look doesn't really matter, but it's really, what does the, the physical attributes, you know, there's a reasons why quarterbacks tend to be tall. They have a bigger arm. Um, you know, there's reasons for that. Certain players look a certain way. Right. But it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little concerning at this point. I think a week from now, if it's not, if the quarterback is not named, I, I think it's borderline panic mode. I don't know. What do you think? I think if they can't figure out a quarterback, they run what they call it. The us offense. Cause you know, wildcat offense. I don't know. They got I'm sorry about that, everyone. I apologize. Uh, That's going to be a really <laughs> terrible review, and I deserve that. But no, it's because without knowing the offense, that's like we talk about Matt with Matt too. Is that maybe they don't need brilliance at quarterback; they need competence. And should they be able to get competence out of one of those three guys? I would think so. You know, if you don't put too much on your quarterback's shoulders, and maybe you can get by with them just managing the game, not turning the ball over, handing the ball off to the stable of running backs, you know, and just doing it like that. But until we see that work, it's hard to be optimistic that they can do, you know, they can win games that way and be competitive that way. You know, it's also possible that, you know, one of these guys, when the lights come on, was it Nick Foles was always thought of as a terrible practice quarterback. Once he was put in a game, he was Nick Foles. And also, is it possible that one of these guys, like maybe someone like Gunnar Cruz, he gets on the field and just the lights turn on for him and he becomes that dude? Maybe. You know, Will Plummer's a gamer. We saw that last season. Now with better coaching, better talent around him, maybe he's more improved. And, of course, Jordan McLeod has experience. And this could be like our four-way into our uh, depth charts conversation that we've been threatening for the last few weeks. But, you know, quarterback, I know we were all hoping at this point they would have the guy. Everyone was hoping for that. They don't yet. And that's not ideal, but it's also not a death sentence quite yet. Like, Matt, you said the word yet was doing a lot of heavy lifting for Matt, and it was. But there's talent there. You know, there is, there is, there's reason to believe in any one of those guys, just like Matt was saying, but they need to convince the coaching staff. So do I feel good about this situation, the quarterback? No, like, but it's, if you're looking at a depth chart, like the quarterback room is good. The quarterback depth is bad. If that makes sense. Oh, I was going to say that the quarterback, you, you add a lot of quarterback depth when you don't have a starter, you have three backups, Adam. Right. Like. (laughs) I, they've had worse quarterback rooms, I think. There's because they have three guys you could look at right now and say, "Yep, they could be the starter for them." Like that's in theory a good thing, but the fact that they have three guys you say they could be the starter, or you could say for either, either one of them, or all three of them, like they have no business starting for you. 
Like, that's the bad side, right? It's the good side and the bad side. And that's just where they're at right now. Yeah, and you kind of, you know, you look at um, Will Plummer, and, you know, he seems like the gamer and the guy that just has, like, that little bit of a competitive edge to him when he plays. And you saw that last year when he got to play on the field, that it sounds like, according to Matt Moreno, that maybe, you know, Gunnar Cruz is maybe lacking a little bit of that. Uh, and you'd maybe like to see that kind of rub off on him. The problem with Will Plummer is sometimes that is what leads to mistakes. So we saw a lot mm-hmm. of that last year in terms of turnovers. And, you know, if I was going to make a call right now, I think that I think they want it to be Gunnar Cruz. Agreed. I think I think I think he is a balance of hopefully not making as many mistakes and has the big enough arm to yeah. to, to th- you know throw the deep ball. Uh, and a lot of potential too to improve yeah. and just be that guy for a few years. Um, and then Jordan McLeod, I think is, is like the, it's hard to come in when he doesn't have to spring to get the reps in, uh, to try to catch up, even though he's got more, uh, playing experience. But I think I, I don't, my fear is you get into a situation where you name a starter and they're not doing that great. And you bring in somebody else. They have like, will you start Gunnar Cruz and you bring in Will Plummer and he shows flashes, but then he throws two picks that are Mm -hmm. killer. And then you maybe you give then do you give Jordan McLeod a shot and then he does fine but he's not necessarily doing enough to win you the game and he's still learning the system, and then you're just like it's the quintessential if you if you have three quarterbacks you have no quarterback right yeah and I, I I'm I'm usually the the contrarian that's kind of actually okay with people playing multiple quarterbacks but I feel like in this situation with Why? a young team Ew. because I think it, I think that's it generally for all of blown. nobody. I think history. it generally gets overblown. Um, hey, uh, you know, uh, Ortiz Jenkins and uh, Keith Smith split duties fairly effectively back in the day. I'm going back into the uh, the old uniform days <laughs> for that one. Um, but, yeah, I feel like for the, the, the way this team is built, I, I like each of them as an individual talent to have in the room. But I'm still, you know, the, and t- the optimist can say, well, it makes it easy for Noah Fafita to come in and win the job with all the Servite kids in the next couple of years, and he's not going to feel threatened to, to decommit. But, yeah, I, I I think the ideal scenario is Gunnar Cruz starts to show some separation, starts to show a little bit of a, a, a killer instinct and, and just tries to grab the bull by the horns a little bit. And then if he ends up being a game manager with just a little bit more of an edge to him, I think, like, they want to they want to pick their horse and, and ride it through the season as long as they can. And, and that's it. You talked about a little bit before is that the worst thing is they go with Gunnar Cruz and he struggles a little bit. Like what's, what kind of leash do they give these guys? Right. Especially if neither one of them really take hold and show that they should be the starting quarterback, you'd think it'd be a short leash, but this is college football. Like they're going to make mistakes and you can't have guys out there worry about getting benched every time they throw an incomplete pass or turn the ball over. And especially when you have someone like Gunnar Cruz who doesn't have much experience at this level, you know, played a little bit with Washington state. We have Will Plummer who has like parts of a couple of games has never still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. You know, he did run one in last season, I think in the game, that's not going to count, but you know, other than that, like, and of course, Jordan McLeod has played well. He's been, a, he was a game manager in his previous stop. He was fine, but nothing like earth shattering, not the type of guy you'd think that guy's going to win you football games every single week. So I, I think that, I mean, they want to have one guy. And let him be the guy until there's ample reason not to, you know, not just one mistake, because I don't want to go back and forth with quarterbacks. But until one of these players shows that they're worthy of being the starter, like, 
we haven't seen this with Arizona, with an Arizona team in a long time, I feel like. You know, when was the last actual quarterback competition with them? Where, like, they didn't know who the guy was going to be going into the season. Like, obviously, a couple years ago, they had Grant Gannell and Kilo Tate, but it was Kilo Tate. He was a senior. He was going to be the guy unless he struggled. You know, like, that was just, that's how it was. This is a f- actual, honest-to-God, full-blown quarterback competition. Yeah, I mean, it probably goes back to some of those years where Brandon Dawkins was threatening or was the starter, but tenuously the starter. Yeah. Um, trying to think of which years had which which guys uh, in place there. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think they want to pick somebody, and they need to give, for as tight as the competition is, I think the winner should get a longer leash because – like we're not competing for the Rose bowl this year, unless default really does win out. Um, but you can be, you could be building for something as the season goes along and building out the system. Um, and I, I just think it's for a young team, they need some level of consistency. You know, I think to some extent, uh, the success of the quarterback, you know, to try to transition Adam is going to be dependent on some of the strengths on the roster that we do have on offense. And one of those strengths I do think is the running back room, you know, I think there's both talent and depth there. Uh, I think my, my, uh, Michael Wiley, I think Drake Anderson, Bam Smith was kind of like a guy lost in the shuffle where he opted out last year, but he mm-hmm. he showed flashes as a young as a young guy, both as a, a runner and a receiver. Uh, James Bowles has looked good. Stevie Rocker, the you know probably under recruited uh, local kid from Tucson, has just apparently just you know been setting the world on fire. And so you feel like. If you know if, the, if if what we're hearing is true, there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets. I think there's going to be ample opportunity to set the quarterbacks up for success with hopefully a successful running game. We got a new fullback that just wants to go clear the road. Um, you know, a running a good running game is a is whoever wins the quarterbacks battle uh, their best friend, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I actually have a lot of confidence in this running back room. I do too. Like as long as the offensive line is capable, they're going to be able to run the football. And that's something that we've seen a lot with Arizona, actually. Even in the Rich Rodriguez days, you knew they could run the ball. Now, even early in the Kevin Sumlin days, you know, granted they had good running backs, J.J. Taylor, Gary Brightwell, and they had a quarterback who could run too, which, of course, opened things up for the running backs. But, yeah, in terms of depth, this is one of the best groups on the team, if not the best overall group on the team. You know, we're hearing great stuff about Michael Wiley. You know, he coming in as bigger, stronger. You know, Ben Smith has – he showed flashes a couple of years ago. Good player, good receiver out of the backfield. Of course, you know, Jalen John played a little bit. But, yeah, Drake Anderson, the transfer, Stevie Rocker, freshman. Like, there's there's guys there. And there's different skill sets. The different, you have, they can all catch the ball out of the backfield. You have some bigger guys. You have some smaller guys. You have some experience. You have some fresh legs. Like, I really do like this group a lot. And, you know, I liked the group last year, too. <laughs> it was good. Like, they've had a good running back room for a while. And... You know, like Gary Brightwell had his one year last year as the guy, and it didn't work out as hope, much as he was hoping. But at the same time, he got drafted in the NFL. He showed enough. And someone like Michael Wiley has every bit the ability to, you know. And so, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic. I'm very bullish on this running back room, too. Just what you worry about, of course, is the offensive line. And we don't have to talk about offensive line today. This can be a positive show. Like, we had a little bit negative with the quarterback room. We can go positive for the rest of it here. But, and this is one where you don't need one guy to take the reins. You know, and if the, if the offense is more paved to just game manager quarterback, then you're going to run the ball a lot. And you can go with all these guys can get touches, 10 to 12 touches. A lot of these guys can, you know, 10 to 12 for Wiley, maybe, you know, 8 to 10 for Anderson, another 5 to 6 for Rock or something like that throughout the game. Maybe you get Bam Smith in there, just 
you have numbers, you have options, and I think you have a lot of talent in that room. And we, we uh, we're leaving out even Jalen John, who was like a decently recruited uh, kid. I, I, I believe I, I said him. Yeah. He, he, oh, did you? I missed. Yeah. I missed your saying and that. He, he had some um, good carries last year, like when he got a little yeah, bit of time. He, yeah. You've got. I think you're right. You got size, speed. You got a mix of skill sets. You know. If, if if the running game struggles, I don't think it's going to be due to the talent level at the running back position. And I think you have guys that can run, you know, the checkdowns, the wheel routes. Bam Smith, I think I think Michael Wiley can catch the ball decently mm-hmm. well. I think Drake Anderson certainly can be a, a, a great uh, receiving threat out of the backfield. I think uh, uh, Rocker will would be a fantastic threat as like a third down back. Um, and that I, I'm curious to actually see, you know, we're we're we've basically been set up to expect a lot of two tight end sets. We've also been teased with a the presence of a an honest to god fullback. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to see if there's two, ever some two running back sets with not the fullback with two of these guys that we're talking about. To I try would to think maybe, so. Yeah. To you know have a have a Wiley and uh, and and Anderson or Stevie Rocker on at the same time, and maybe one of them you have to go into motion uh, and and run out of the you know out of the flank position. But I. I I think it might be the position group I feel most comfortable with uh, in the whole in the whole damn roster. Yeah, well, it's the least reliant on like it's reliant on the offensive line. That's basically it, you know. But like, if the quarterbacks aren't great, the running backs still can be, especially with their ability to catch the ball in the backfield. So yeah, I, I agree with you that in terms of just depth and talent, like this group has both. And that's exciting. Like it's comforting in a way too. Like it's not necessarily the best running back group in the Pac-12, but there's they're fine <laughs> at running back. And yeah, someone like Michael Wiley, who's never been the guy before, he gets to step in and maybe. But they have options. Like no one's going to be expected to carry the ball twenty times. They shouldn't be. You don't have that kind of running back here. You don't have a need for that because you have so many options, guys who can carry the ball. Uh, but you want to get one more position group in? You mentioned at the tight ends. We could do here one more on offense before we wrap up the show. And normally this would be a throwaway position group, but allegedly it's not now. And you look at Bryce Wilma has been around for a while, was really good early on. Then they kind of stopped using the tight end. Stacy Marshall came in. He's been somewhat productive. They got Alex Lyons, Colby Powers, a couple of freshmen coming in. And, you know, it's maybe it's one of those you'll believe it when you see it. But I actually feel comfortable with this group of tight ends for the way they're planning on using the tight end. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of guys also that um, I believe are now permanent um, tight ends that were kind of like a flex between a receiver. Roberto Miranda uh, is a guy that is, you know, was kind of a, a, an interesting recruit where supposedly he has a lot of athleticism and size, intriguing uh, combination. Uh, and I'm, I think it's, uh, is it Zach Williams is the other one I'm thinking of that was kind of a bigger receiver. Um, I'm actually really curious to see Colby powers, who was a, a quarterback in, in high school, but has a lot of intriguing size. Um, it, it's, I think the position group is going to be not just a surprise in terms of how much they're used, but I think they're going to be, I'm optimistic. They're going to be highly competent in both <laughs> blocking and, and in receiving like Bryce Wilma has shown that he can do it before. Stacy Marshall's kind of known more as a blocker, but like in the spring game, he he had he was the one that caught the the tr- the, the trick play or touchdown, mm-hmm. right? Um, had the Gronk and, spike. And, yeah, there's there's enough there's enough there in, that intrigues me, even if it's young and relatively inexperienced in terms of size and potential. 
and and just sheer numbers that I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that this group will be effective and 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 as a complete tight end in both in both receiving and blocking and I think that'll also you know if if the a good running game is the quarterback's best friend uh, a a really good tight end room is not far behind that's a nice little uh, safety blanket you know you feel that's your blankie right there as a good tight end yeah you know between between their ability to you know stay in if the if you're having trouble and you need some guys to chip you know uh, an elite pass rusher you can use that or they can go run little 5 yard outs and be a nice mm-hmm. checkdown option that's much better than throwing it you know taking a sack or and it's a low risk uh easy converting kind of play that's positive yardage uh i'm i'm the tight end position might be the position i'm most intrigued at seeing in the new jetfish system and with the and with the talent that was already on the roster and actually maybe you know being used <laughs> well, um, and too like we talked about the running backs and we're going to get to receivers in another show but obviously matt moreno is pretty high in the receiving group too there's a lot of talent there it seems like the tight end should be somewhat overlooked by defenses you know, and Bryce Wolma, he was good in 2017 when they used him. He was very productive at 28 catches as a freshman. You know, he hasn't gotten worse over the course of his career. Like when he's been the ball's been thrown his way, he's made the catches, he's done his job. And I think he's one of those guys he came back. He didn't have to come back this season, but he did because he believes in this offense. He believes it's actually worth his while to go out there and not just to be an afterthought in the offense. Now, is the tight end gonna be the leading receiver on this team? I hope not. You know, I hope that's not the case. But their ability to be, like you said, competent. And maybe in an almost case, I think he's better than competent. I think he's a solid tight end, especially as a receiver. Like These guys could be very valuable for this offense. And it's an offense that we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Everybody says pro-style offense. Well, pro-style means so many different things nowadays. But with this coaching staff and their ability to scheme, a lot of this, like even in a conversation with Matt Moreno, it's like scheming their way to just take advantage of the talent that they do have. You know, what can these guys do putting them on the field to do that? Their tight ends can do different things. One of them being catch the football. So they will find a way to put them in position to have the football come their way to make plays. And that is exciting. You know, because Arizona, they've been decent tight ends over, well, Gronk history. You know, decent, <laughs> like that's decent a, tight end. There's decent tight end history at the University of Arizona. But yeah, a lot of people, I think, wanted them to use the tight end because the tight ends were usually open. It was like, why you have talented players here, use them. Well, I think this coaching staff will. You know, it's not going to be every play, but there's probably going to be something designed to go to the tight end, and that's going to be fun to watch. Well, and I think building off of what Matt mentioned with Tavian Cunningham taking a leap maybe in the most improved player with track, you know, athlete speed as a deep threat, and we just talked about how you have uh, running backs that are capable receivers out of the backfield Stevie Rocker, Drake Anderson, et cetera. If you have a deep threat, you have receivers uh, or running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and you have a tight end in the middle of the field. You're having three different levels that a defense is having to cover. Yeah. And when and when you have when you have them, the defense is having to cover different levels and all over the field. You know, they they can't. It's it's pretty hard for them to cover all all of those guys at the same time, right? Um, and so it's going to, I am confident there's going to be opportunities opened up. I it's, I'm going to be curious to see how defenses react to the Jetfish system, how much of a deep threat Tavian Cunningham and some of the other receivers can be and how many opportunities get seized by this tight end group. Cause I think they're going to be there and I think it's going to be, uh, at a very high frequency. Yeah. So 
That's we got through three position groups here today: quarterback, running back, tight ends. Of course, we have a offensive line. We have special teams. We have the entirety of the defense to talk about in the coming shows as we build up for the September fourth opener against BYU. Um, Brett, I don't think there's really much else to talk about football wise. Not this week. Of course, we did start a thing we talked about on last week's show where we want you always to subscribe to Wildcat Radio 2.0 on Spotify, on iTunes, and everything. We also want you to leave reviews because we are going to read those reviews on our show. Good, bad, indifferent. Leave a review. We're going to read on the show. And, Brett, you said we have a new review, so I hope it's a good one. I hope it's good. I'm going to I'm going to not bury the lead Adam. I think it's a good one. All it's right. entitled it is entitled Love Arizona Wildcat Radio, 5 stars from Gary Freed, who I believe is Gary Elfried on the Twitter if I recall correctly and is often interacting with us on the Twitter handle. Uh, so Gary wrote great weekly podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty of University of Arizona Wildcat sports, especially basketball, football, baseball and softball. These guys follow everything out there on the internet and help process it for you. There is no other podcast that comes out frequently about U of A sports. Upside compared to the other Wildcat podcast is that it is regular and there are different presenters. I, I Side note, this is not in the review, Adam, but I love when people appreciate our regularity. Um, <laughs> it's my most impressive like feature. Like I'm, I'm, you can rely uh, on me to be present. Yeah. And, uh, and then so Gary continues on to wrap it up. They have as much inside information as others, mostly because no one has any inside information anymore. <laughs> I mean, fair. Um, they, <laughs> they have fun and are well worth the listen. They don't drone on, except when they want to make a point. All fair. Yeah, that, overall, that, that tracks. Yeah, that's accurate. I'll take, I'll take the five-star uh, review. And thank you, Gary. We appreciate you being a listener and an active engager on uh, the Twitter.com machine. Yeah, so thank you, Gary, for listening, for the review. We appreciate that. Everyone else, just like you heard there, leave a review on iTunes. We learned that you cannot leave reviews on Spotify. We figured that out after we told you all to leave reviews on Spotify. Apologies, you cannot do that. Spotify does not allow it. So go to iTunes, subscribe there, leave a review, Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we will read it on the next show. Others, you can follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Of course, as the games start to pick up, there'll be more commentary on what's going on there. Hopefully there's a lot more positivity this season as opposed to last football season, which was positivity for about a half, maybe three quarters or so through 58 minutes against USC. Maybe there was some positivity like it wasn't I'm pretty bad. sure I'm pretty sure I uh, stopped tweeting after the first quarter of the ASU game and just started <laughs> drinking. <laughs> and it's probably better to stop tweeting after you've been drinking, as I can attest to my tweets that night were. Amazingly coherent, if I recall. So, I mean, good on me. But anyway, like again, we do appreciate you listening. Make sure you are subscribing to us on whatever whatever medium you like to listen to your podcasts. Like, find us there. Of course, stay tuned to the channel. There's always going to be more different content. Not just us. There's a lot of different presenters. There's a lot going on with Wildcat Radio 2.0. And we'll get into more position uh, depth chart breakdowns over the next couple of weeks. And of course, any other news that happens with Arizona athletics, be it football, basketball, baseball, softball, women's basketball, whatever it is, we'll get into it then. But until next week, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>